1: Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hello, so we're back for the final midweek quick turnaround pod for a little while. Dear me, I don't think I'm ever going to complain about the gap between game weeks again. Anyway, we're recording just off latest display of anti football from Spurs once more, which makes me wish I could invoice the Premier League for time wasted. What a boring game that was. Hopefully, it's probably more interesting. And to help that along, the three of us are back together for this one. Uh, Nick returns first after trying to get time off work by smashing some junction boxes. I mean, um, having his internet cut off by some weirdos. Uh, you're right, Nick. What's going on?
2: Hey yeah uh, yeah I'm good thank you I didn't actually see the Spurs game but uh, it sounds like I didn't miss anything anyway so uh, no worries at all there no you didn't um, you, you've seen <laughs> you've, you've literally seen that game a thousand was, times before it was dreadful but the sounds of things so uh, yeah not good for Spurs but otherwise it's all it's all good here the five G tower and netbox all fixed again after the local arson attack so uh, back online ready raring to go so of course you know who we are we are who got the assist you can find us mainly on twitter at wgta underscore fpl tom um also if you want to give me a follow it's at wgta underscore nick or anthony at fpl stag we're also on instagram so give us a follow there as well wgta and we've got mini league if you want to join that which the code is cpsulf so yeah we're joined by anthony as well how are you
0: well, thanks, Nick. I'm, I'm happy to bring the back on the pod and also, I think, to start the inaugural meeting of James Justin Anonymous, um, all of us former owners continually tortured week on week by his continued hauls. Oh, so, <laughs> oh my <laughs> God. So uh, yeah, aside from that, um, particularly dark cloud, which continues to rain and rain and rain upon my FPL season, everything's fine, which is good to report, I guess, uh, given the background context of the world. But anyway, look, you know the drill with these pods. We have a very short turnaround, so we are just going to have another one of those short episodes where we're answering questions that have come in from the community, thanks to you guys for those, um, about all the burning questions in the FPL world right now. First, though, we will start, as per usual, with the Gamer Reviews and Market Forces.
1: I think it stays with you, actually, Anthony
0: oh from the bottom <laughs> great <laughs> yes uh so speaking from uh, having the bad game week it was a 68 pointer which i guess In a traditional week, 68 points wouldn't be too bad, but uh, when the aforementioned James Justin goes and scores 15 points and the likes of Wan-Bissaka and things also return well as kind of differential defender picks or whatever, my two clean sheets from Cancelo and Diaz kind of pale in comparison to those particular scores. In midfield, um, I had Ilkay Gundogan, who did return, but everyone and their mother has him. I had Bruno Fernandes, Mo Salah, Saka, who uh, could have done, had a massive haul, but in the end didn't, and then... Arsenal imploded on almost a newfound scale, even for Arsenal. And then all of my forwards returned, which was lovely to see. Uh, Callum Wilson, who just came into my team, for Rianne Brewster, uh, Ollie Watkins, and Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Unfortunately, I benched Suchek for the second time in a few weeks with returns, which was particularly annoying. Effectively, I think with that uh, Villa-West Ham game, I was faced with a choice. Which team do I back here? Is it Aston Villa, who I think are... The objectively better team to watch and the more creative team, uh, or else West Ham, who of course have had the form. But I guess I thought they were disappointing against Liverpool. Obviously, Liverpool kind of kind of came into it late in terms of the scores, but I still felt that West Ham were disappointing. And maybe I read a little bit too much into David Moyes' negativity. He kind of suddenly started to sound like Man United manager David Moyes, as opposed to um, post. Work from home, David Moyes, who has become well, get more crosses in. Yeah, no, it was more just like you know, it'd be a great result if we lose by five goals to Liverpool. Like that was the type of you know attitude he brought to that game at the weekend. And I thought, my word, have West Ham landed on the beach? So I decided I'll just bench Suchek and Suful. The Suful bit worked out okay, but the Suchek bit didn't. And I think at this point, there's never going to be another day where I bench Suchek. I just can't do it anymore. But of course, look, the elephant in the room is that I Captain Salah and I had Bruno Fernandes sitting there, 17 points, which is obviously lovely, but those 17 points were worth nothing to me in terms of my rank. So in the end, sorry to cut this a little bit shorter, 68 points, ranked down to 204k, so that's about another 30k drop. It's just a frustrating one, I guess. I think I'd had quite a few weeks, about 10 weeks where I pretty much made progress every week, and then I've had two weeks where I've dropped back the guts of 40k. And whilst I know in effective points, that's probably only like five points, it feels... So much worse and so much more frustrating. Um, but at least I've got a load of money in the bank and a free transfer to do something, whatever that might be.
1: Yeah, nice. I'm, I'm sure there's going to be a, a positive tomorrow for you. Um, I'm, I'm in a similar boat, actually. Um, my 68 points as well, money kind of going second as by dint of your, uh, of your move. Um, yeah, I mean, similar story to me uh, with salary Captains, yes, it, it was for everybody, um, almost everybody at least. And it was a, we were left a bit of a sour taste in the mouth for me, too, just because. I also bent Suchek. I had the choice between him and Holding. And all of the algos said play Holding. And obviously, we'd kept five clean sheets and six. And I thought, well, you know, we're going to keep another against Wolves who can't score. And I thought the only way Wolves will score is if David Luiz does a Luiz, gives a penalty away, perhaps gets a red, you know, they score a penalty and that would be it. What happened? Exactly that. Um, so Rob Holding got one on my bench, nine points for Suchek. And I thought that Mings and Konsa would be able to deal with him. They weren't. They didn't. Um, I mean, there were some high points. Uh, Gundawan, the double defence coming in. Uh, Calvert-Lewin getting the winning goal with I think a two-yard tap or something like that of his head. Um, but, I mean, all the points that I got were points that everybody else, it seems, got around my area. I mean, my team has now become incredibly template, um, which is a, a bit harrowing. But there we go. Um, I didn't make any transfers, so I've got two, free transfers to go um, next week. But it's a 40K drop. I think I'm down to about 400. And 20k or something like that um but yeah it's a bit frustrating because the last couple of weeks have been have been pretty good um and another captaincy blank uh that is three in a row now yep three in a row now um so i'm hoping that this weekend uh will be better but you know i've gotten to the point now where i'm watching i'm watching the games with my captain and or kind of being kept up to date with the games with my captain in. I'm, I'm just basically assuming it's a blank it's just become that way where i'm just so shaken in terms of my confidence in my captaincy picks nick how'd you get on
2: yeah, so I got a green arrow, but I got seventy-nine points, but the green arrow was only seven K. Just to score seventy-nine points and just get a seven K Rise seems seems a little bit of a joke, to be honest. But it was just one of those game weeks, wasn't it? With just to kind of like we talked about like it being one of the we you know, a groundbreaking season, I think a couple of pods ago, but I think this was almost like a groundbreaking breaking week just in terms of what happened. We had Bednarek break the records for the worst score ever with minus seven and we, we have people, you know, getting 75 points and getting a red arrow, it's just, you know, unheard of in FPL, and uh, yeah, mine was kind of a similar story, I guess, you know, with 79 points, 9 out of my 11 players returning, but you know, just a tiny green arrow in the end, I think it's just the Liverpool guys ultimately that let me down, and uh, you know, I had a bit of FOMO and ended up captaining Salah, which I now obviously regret, and uh, Robertson banking as well, but everyone else returned, so Martinez got 4 in goal, which is pretty decent, to pick up a bonus. Bonus point. Despite conceding three, um, also had uh, Diaz and Stones getting the clean sheets in midfield. It was Grealish, Sucek, Fernandez, and Sterling that got the returns. Salah blanking, of course. And then up front, I had Antonio who came in for me, and and Calvert-Lewin, uh, Calvert-Lewin both scoring as well. So overall, it's pretty good. As in, I got a green arrow. It's nice to see, but still feels a little bit of a bittersweet ending because it's just such a small green arrow, and I feel like I've been treading water for about ten to twelve game weeks without my rank changing at all really or just going up and down like a yo-yo I yeah. can't seem to I can't seem to break that sort of like top twenty five K is where I wanna be. I always seem to be lurking around eighty K-ish every season at the moment. So it's get that's a little bit frustrating, but I don't wanna be always moaning, you know what I mean?
1: Well I know the game which just finished, but I suppose it's worth having a look quickly at how the market's wrapped into everything. I, I guess we've got kind of the guts of the main stuff which was going on um on Tuesday and Wednesday. It's an unlikely name um, at the very top market forces, isn't it, Nick?
2: Yeah, it's, it's a little bit of a time warp, I think, with the, with the market forces, a mixture of uh, golden oldies and uh, untapped youth uh so yeah it's it's a united theme at the moment wambasaka uh the main man leading the market forces with 157,000 transfers in obviously uh, got a massive haul this week we're not going to see that haul very often like we said about stones he got 17 points in a 9-0 win against southampton but generally manchester united have looked uh, pretty sharp in in defense uh, lots of clean sheets coming their way uh, four in the last six for wambasaka so you know, I think it's a relatively sound pick, even though if it's a bit of a surprise to see him so highly bought. But, but otherwise, um, Antonio, um, obviously a popular pick. 100,000 transfers in for him, doing very well. Uh, got a couple of assists this week and they've got Fulham up next. So no surprises there. And we've also got... Uh, Jesse Lingard sort of turning up with a brace. It's just ridiculous, isn't it? I mean, he didn't get much of a chance to youth for uh, Manchester United, but definitely showing some of his potential there with that brace uh, could be one for the future for sure. And, uh, and also talking about Shaw's Luke Shaw, he's now 25 years old, having been at United now uh, for seven years without seemingly pulling up trees. But he's in the best run of form uh, right now and being heavily bought as well with, with 97,000 transfers in at this time.
0: Yeah, really hoping that Lingard finally gets a call up for the England number 21s. He's, he's really been knocking on the door for a while, so I think he'd really deserve that. Uh, looking then at the transfers out, it's uh, unsurprising to see Jan Bednarek at the top of that uh, particular chart, even though he won't be suspended now that his red card was, in the end, rescinded. Uh, 175k transfers out for him. Second is actually Harry Kane, and then there's a hodgepodge of midfielders and strikers who are kind of making out the rest of that list. Mostly midfielders, the likes of Foden, Salah, Mane, Son, All being sold along with, like, so Firmino and even Calvert-Lewin to a lesser extent.
2: Yeah, and it's not a surprise. So so many rage transfers for Bednarek. He's actually um, not even suspended for the for the next week. But I don't think the owners care. He had his um, uh, suspension rescinded, but I don't think his owners care. I think they're just seeing that minus seven on their screen. I think get rid of this guy as soon as as soon as possible.
0: Minus seven. Like it was. It was truly actually extraordinary to watch it. I know this is a bit of a digression from market. forces but i think i tweeted when it was minus six and i was like wow like is this the record and then there was a few people into my you know responses being like no 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 we've had minus six before and then sure enough another united goal went in I was like now it is <laughs> yeah i think
1: they the, just ba- i was basically just waiting for the record to be broken like i found somebody who had him first bench i think it was i kept like re- refreshing it and since I hit minus seven, i was like right screenshot that's the record <laughs> like it's, uh, amazing it, 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 history being made and we were there to witness it um albeit in a very very anarchy sort of way well, interesting market forces there, Nick. Uh, thanks for that. Um, can I just say the Guard jokes are incredibly immature. I don't like them at all.
2: It's for young God. people, those ones, I think.
1: Um, let's move on to the questions. Then. Lots of really good questions this week. The first one is, I'd 9-0 be a Saints fan. Uh, it's not an A2B. Anyway, um, it's an interesting question from Johnny Forward, um, who asks, and referencing an earlier correspondence question from the season, actually, uh, when do we classify a result anomalous? And therefore, one needs to be flagged in um, basically how we look at players, how we look at teams um, in our analyses. Uh, people always raise, he said, the 9-0 result for Leicester. Um, and they may well now raise the 9-0 result for Manchester United. Um, but he also mentions, you know, people less raise. Man City winning 5-0 against Burnley, for example. Um, so I'll go first because you guys spoke for a little while. Um, I guess... As we're all telling ourselves, uh, apart from who Captain Bruno this week, the nine nil was so notable because it was so out of kilter with what we expect from a low scoring sport, right? That's why these sort of um, you know, massive um, examples of huge scores stick out. The nine nils, the 7-2s seven twos, Villa seven two win over Liverpool earlier on in the season. Um, those sorts of things do kind of stick in the craw, stick in the mind, don't they? Um, unfortunately for Southampton, it's one of those things that does stick in mind as by association too. They've um, lost nine nil win about back back seasons, whoops. Um, n- nevertheless, it's a really good point about how this impacts data and takes us back to episode 10 of this season when Brett Taylor and the Correspondent asks us how we look at things um, with regards to um, 7-2 at the time. I guess my answer to Jono is the same as it was to Brett, as in that, I think it's still a case of comparing apples with apples. So each game is played in the same conditions from the outset, and there's nothing particularly unusual about the conditions in which the games are played, except the outcome. Like in the case of the Saints game, the early red is definitely something that's a factor in the outcome. But you know, just this weekend, we saw a different, we saw a similar thing in how a red changed the game in David Luiz's questionable red card against Wolves, which I referenced earlier, followed by another red in the second half, similar to the Saints game, which mirrored the second one. In fact, actually, the Arsenal one was worse because Leno was sends off the goalkeeper rather than Bednarek I mean does that invalidate the second half of the game for Arsenal that there was a, a sending off and another sending off I suspect the fact that the result was 2-1 I means it gets less scrutiny than the fact than if it was a 9-0 anyway I suspect this is a bit of a boring answer here um but it's always the case of being mindful of these things and using the data on a case-by-case basis I just caveat each time as is my want and I guess my Point is to be mindful of all inputs into player data, like outcomes peak and trough throughout the season. And if we start to remove data points, we end up you know, with a dangerously distorted data set, which falls prey to confirmation bias and framing what you want to see in the data. So you may say, they're really good except for this. Therefore, this proves my point. Hmm, I'm not too sure about that. A final poser here. What reflects Man United better? Put a nine past the Saints, whose morale has been exterminated, or losing 2-1 at home to Sheffield United? I'd argue both do. Anthony, what do you reckon?
0: That's really interesting, the kind of idea of which of those two games says more, because I'd have definitely gone the opposite way and said the Sheffield United one says an awful lot more and I'd definitely put a box around the Southampton game and file it under the Mm -hmm. real anomaly questions like Rosalind air crash or whatever, you know, with the alien. Like it was just genuinely like just (laughs) so, so bizarre. I I really don't think I can draw anything about United from it. Like, Like, do you think that Bruno Fernandes is in form because he contributed to what was it goals five six and nine uh, to that in that particular game, like was it five six seven nine I don't even know like it's 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 so irrelevant if that makes sense that it's just like uh, I I don't it it
1: still it it still happened though like it's a fact I am not denying it
0: happened I'm not like like the the lads that burnt the box near Nick's house last week (laughs) like don't worry but like at the same time I do feel like when we're trying to look forward I don't think that I can. Um, yeah. really factor this game into how I think like I'm not going to suddenly be like wow Aaron Wan-Bissaka is prime Danny Alves or something like you know this is not like yeah, the world yeah. that I'm but going to inhabit
1: so. yeah you wouldn't take that one game as being the the, the barometer of how good or bad a player is mm. what I'm saying is over the 38 game
0: kind yeah of but uh, for start, sure
1: over the 38, you would include it you wouldn't take you wouldn't take it out um, and then if it's a six game week you'd say alright I know that this is in here I understand that. I appreciate that, which may mean that Wamba does look like Danny Alves. I'd even scales. put the
0: data together to try and get around that particular United game or that particular game for Southampton when I'm looking at the stats. If I was giving them to you guys on the podcast, I'd probably say the five game weeks that weren't the other one okay (laughs) to be perfectly honest with you that's how weird i think it is so anyway look but like we've seen quite a few of these erratic results as you say the united 9-0 the spurs 5-2 liverpool and these were just with southampton alone uh the spurs 5-2 liverpool beat them 4-0 last year with two goals after the 70th minute and leicester beat them 9-0 as well obviously so like they do this is a southampton team that does have a little bit more of a propensity than usual to collapse if things are going badly but even then i feel like that's erratic in and of itself because we're still looking at over like the guts of 80 games when we say that uh, under Hassan Huddle so like, do how do we say that a result is not a classifying an anomalous result I do think the early red card is important I do think that a red card for a team that's already trailing badly um, against a team with good attackers who are just going to punish them I think that's pretty important in this anomalous thing um, but I also think you need to remember the context that it kind of happened in, like liverpool Crystal Palace, that was off because of how out of whack it seemed with Liverpool's form. Likewise, the, that Liverpool game, it reminded me of Leicester when they smashed Man City, the year that they were defending champions and they were quite poor. Uh, Ranieri was still the manager. And even that game kind of reminded me of Spurs' win against Southampton this year, where it was kind of a, just a tactical backfire, a bit like Pep against Leicester what we're talking about three or four years ago at this point, that these feel like such anomalies that I don't feel you can read too much into them. Um, But of course, yes, Tom, I'm not denying that they occurred.
2: Yeah, I think for me, uh, the, the, they are anomalies uh, and it really is ultimately caused by the early red card and this completely changes the shape and the spirit of the game. If those players hadn't been sent off, it would have been a completely different game and I don't think anyone's going to argue otherwise. I think it was highlighted on Twitter, I think that, uh, by Duncan Alexander, that it was 14% of the Premier League goals Southampton have conceded and have come under those two games. So, you know, that's that's a huge chunk of those games and in, in both games we had a Jankovic sent off early and, and Bertrand sent off Early and and in, and most of these crazy games this season have had red cards in them. For instance, we saw Crystal Palace demolish West Brom five one. Granted, West Brom are dreadful, but I don't think we're going to be expecting any more Benteke braces. Of course, Spurs beat Manchester United six one as well earlier in the season, and in that game we saw Martial get sent off quite early in the game as well. And actually, in that game, United have conceded twenty two percent of their goals over the course of the season, and um, the same amount of goals in that game they. they've conceded in the last nine games which just shows how much of an anomaly that particular game is but you can you can flip it on its head and we try and do this I guess when we're looking at the underlying data and particular uh, players so in in that game Luke Shaw actually um, created five chances before um, being unfortunate to be subbed off at half time but if you start then looking at defender stats over the last six game weeks um, you know without thinking about this game Looking in like a prism, you, you'd see that Shaw looks absolutely amazing because he's created 15 chances. He's had a chance every 28 minutes, which is far superior to any other defender or midfielder at this current moment in time over this period. But um, if you take away that game and, and think about um, what's happened in other games, it goes down to a chance every 42 minutes, which is still excellent, but ranks him um, around the same as the other top-performing period uh, defenders over that period, like, like Lucas Dean.
1: Yeah, no, it's, it's always an interesting one, isn't it? Because, like, do you remove stuff from the data? Do you start to kind of filter around and open yourself up to kind of saying, well, you know, do you say he's got two goals in the last six, and then but actually he scored two goals six game weeks ago, and you're using that as a pro uh, for, for whatever point you're trying to make? Um, I, I think, as so I, think the the best thing that I would like to do, and I don't work. In fantasy football, so I'm not going to be able to do this. Um, but if someone could, and um, it'd be great if they could. If they look over the data, look over all of the goals, and then apply some weighting to the later goals, like you know, if morale has dropped for the defending team, you know, you'll get into the the, the bones of um, the seventh, eighth, and ninth goals conceded by by uh, Southampton. Maybe there's a case for kind of saying those goals maybe count for less in the data. You know, they're point six of a goal or something like that because of the caveat that they were conceded against 10 men down, exhausted, you know, um, completely beaten, battered and bruised. Um, just because it might help us kind of not make the mistake of overestimating how good or bad a player is based on the freak result like that. Maybe
0: to add to that as well, I'd, I'd love to see data on like players who score what I'll call material goals. So the goal to, let's say, take a lead or to draw a level. Yeah, versus the, the players win, that the pile. Goal as well. yeah, 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 versus players that pile it on in the end. Um, you know, <laughs> players like Romelu Lukaku kind of got a bit of yeah, a. Wreck scoring or, the fourth goal in the four nil. Yeah, I, he loved. He loved it. Yeah, but game. I'd love to know, um, if let's say Mo Salah is kind of guilty of that, and when Liverpool are slightly out of form, and it's going to be one or two nil, uh, one or two goal wins that they have, is he actually really the player to be looking to, or is it Mane? Just that little bit more. Be interesting to see. Yeah,
1: the stats puffer. Uh, versus a decisive player that's definitely very interesting um uh, Harry Kane in World cup in the World cup group stages winning the golden boot after smashing the likes of Panama and Tahiti or whatever the hell it was um versus the player who's uh, scoring the winning goal in the world cup final yeah there's a huge difference between the two even though the two goals are weighed the same anyway let's move on uh, the next thing is uh, do we need a strong bench really FPL jazz asks can we get away with just two benches and if so what position do we you know have a write-off in? And Adam Pritchard himself, friend of the pod, asks, is a strong bench even worth the hassle, lads? Nick what do you reckon here I mean um, are you the kind of person who rolls with a strong bench I mean you've got Mitchell at the moment haven't you Like that sort of player who's kind of cheap but he still kind of works is all your bench
2: playing no I've also got uh, Rhian Brewster he didn't even start this week in fact this week I only actually had one point on my bench (laughs) and it it kind of worked out pretty well compared to all these people with with the strong bench so in in that sense it's um, there's an argument for the weak bench by just like having one player like a 4.5 million defender who can roll and replace anyone. I had I benched Dallas uh, this this particular week actually and I got away with it because he's playing out of position and getting a few goals and assists. So it could have been a case of getting punished by him, but luckily he only got the one point. So I got away with it this week. But there have been times obviously where I have benched points. And and to be honest, like I, I don't necessarily think this is the best strategy. I think you know, there is a case for having a reasonable bench. And if you look at last week, for instance, we saw so much rotation. Um, the likes of Stones, Cancelo, Sterling, Harry Kane being injured, uh, Saka, uh, Mane also being injured. Um, you know, loads of players. Uh, being out and actually ended up with uh, using my full squads last week. We and Brewster did uh, make an appearance in my starting eleven just because of um, Sterling not playing and Stones not playing and Mitchell not playing. So there is definitely a case for having you know someone on the bench sitting there who who can come in. And I think it was Sod's Law, I guess, that last week lots of people. You know, played Suchek and he blanked, or, or had Suchek come off the bench, or James Justin come off the bench and blanked. And then this week, we've, we've seen so many people benching the likes of Bamford or Suchek and Justin and, and getting really punished. And uh, so, you know, I think there is a case for, you know, having someone on the bench who can do a job, certainly, but. You know, I, I prefer, I've kind of preferred a safer strategy, I guess, of just kind of having someone, maybe a 4.5 million defender who, who might come in, do a job, maybe some character like Yves Basuma who you can just trust to get his two or three points week in, week out. I think benching Suchek, giving yourself a benching headache every single week is not necessarily the best strategy, but people, lots of people have lots of money at the moment, so it's a bit of a problem.
1: Yeah, we've got loads of money and we've got a question about unlimited credit in a minute so we'll leave it to that but yeah it's definitely the case that a strong bench feels like almost a default because we've got all of this sort of cash washing around like it's not doing anything in the bank why are we why don't we spend it on players Is probably the thought process of a lot of people but it means you've got strong benches and each week you've got the why did i bench x uh, and it is normally suchek and as anthony and i found out this week yeah it's it's really flipping painful um the strong bench worth the hassle, though. I think, you know, we fingers crossed Touchwood seems to be slowly seeing daylight on COVID, for example. Um, so COVID tests over the last uh, three weeks um, up until round 22 um, have declined. So round 20 between 4th and 10th of January, 36 positives in the Premier League, 11th and 17th of January, sixteen. 18th to 24th most recent tests, just eight. Um, so ultimately, you know, we're in a place where those sort of out of control factors are
0: hopefully going to start declining a bit. There's anything I, mean, I know I about COVID is... numbers. They once they go down, they never go up again. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, absolutely not. Absolutely not. There's no. There's. But ultimately, I suppose, um, in terms of the bench, I agree with what Nick was saying there about having a defender um, <laughs> or two uh, be, to come in and do the job for you, because I think ultimately where we've been able to deal with. Um, a cheap bench is in forward actually this year I mean as Nick said he's got Brewster I've got Brewster as well and I've been rocking the 3-5-2 for a while because there's just been embarrassment of Richardson field historically throughout the season so at one point for example I had the power five of Bruno, Son, KDB, Grealish and Salah like it was very difficult to pick holes into that apart from the fact that KDB's rubbish and Suchek is now now my new god. Um, and I had decent defence as well. Like For example, C, City times two plus Robbo before Liverpool decided that clean sheets was not fun anymore. Um, and that also meant that uh, the fours missed out for a long time, if you remember, throughout the season, it's basically been Kane, Calvert-Lewin and Bamford. Those have been the the forward picks, haven't they? But recently, Antonio and serial big chance misser uh, Watkins have been coming through along with um, the likes of Anthony's man, uh, Callum Wilson, and that's been challenging it things a bit. But I've been really happy to have Brewster at third bench for a while. And those all-important cheap defenders at first, second sub So for a while I was stuck with Lewis and Kilman Now I've got Holding and I've got Dawson and I'm really happy with those guys. I mean, those are 90-minute men who come off when they're needed. Um, Dawson can obviously kind of come into the first 11. Holding also has come into the first 11. Unfortunately, this week he did come into the first 11 and
0: got one point. Anthony, what do you reckon? Yeah, fairly succinct for me because I think you guys have covered a lot of the base that I might cover. Um, But honestly, I I just think I still think we need to have a strong bench because of the weeks where we've seen that we can be low on players. And I know that, for example, I have Cancelo in my team who could miss out at any point. So I need to kind of work with that assumption that I will lose players every so often and will deal with rotation every so often. But of course, yeah, the pain is real as well when I have a team. I pretty much have 14 slash now 15 actually players that I could play at any week. And so, yeah, like the last four, I benched Saka's nine points. I benched Suchek's 15 points. Then it was a week where I got three players off the bench and got almost nothing for it. And then I've now just last week benched suit checks nine points. So, like, it's been, it's, it's really, really annoying. Don't get me yeah, wrong. I, I, I
1: can tell. Yeah, I can yeah. Tell.
0: It's, I, I'm taking it so well. Serene, zen-like all the I'm time. I'm
1: fine. I'm fine.
0: I, I totally didn't message into the Slack chat being like, I'm gone. Good luck. <laughs> and just not my the shadow all <laughs> yeah, later. Yeah, the Shadow Realm. Yeah, a Yu-Gi-Oh reference that I went for as I disappeared <laughs> for adventure. 36 hours but yeah that's how it made me feel so it is quite frustrating but i think what i've concluded having now having three playing players is that i think two players that actually play on your bench plus a brewster type character is really just fine and it just minimizes the heartache
1: bear this in mind when it comes to my transfers this week i'm selling brewster oh my lord
0: no my no up. don't do it unless i uh,
1: disturb in the equilibrium ahead of the double game <laughs> week announcements Anyway, uh, next question. Money, money, money. Uh, Quite a few questions this week about buying selling players from the likes of Mr. Buscelli and FPL Nikolai. So they're thinking of selling big players and cashing in on them and getting smaller ones in terms of budget. Um, What they do with all this cash all, Orsimo puts it best. He says, you know, with premiums underperforming, what do we do with all this money? A strong bench, as we've just referenced, seems to just result in a lot of bench headaches. Uh, lots of points left on it and time spent in our angry domes, as uh, Anthony and I can attest this week. Um, it's It's definitely a weird time, isn't it? I mean, FPL feels like the northeast housing market at the moment prior to the subprime mortgage bubble burst. I mean, there's lines of credit everywhere. We've got so much money. What are we even going to do with it? I mean, it harks back to, as I kind of referenced earlier, what we were saying about price and quality. And we're in a really funny part of the season where quality has suited the price to such a degree that the cheapies are absolutely smashing it, aren't they? I mean, in in terms of updating the top 10 uh, point scorers over the last six, the top is still... Gundogan, um after that assist of uh, the bonus. Second is Diaz. First is Stones. Uh, after that 17-pointer, Wan-Bissaka is now fourth. Um, he's scored uh, 46 points over the last six game weeks. Uh, in fifth, uh, James Madison. Yep, okay, fair enough. Two assists. Uh, Batis Pereira, uh, he's hanging on in sixth. Bruno Fernandes, who's now entered, so got a premium top 10. Hooray, uh, 42 points. Uh, Thomas Suchek, Cancello, And 10th, Lewis Dunk on 37th. Um, and the uh, the other the, the other highest scoring uh, premium is a uh, Raheem Sterling. He's now up to eighteenth um, after his uh, goal scoring. Um, not very long. Honestly, ago. Honestly, if you'd
0: asked me without thinking, how many points is Lewis Dunk in the last six? I might have said like less than fifteen.
1: You know, no, it's like right. he's got thirty seven. <laughs> yeah, points, yeah, it's
0: ridiculous. It. Like it's just it's ridiculous. funny how that's kind of insane. That's quiet.
1: That's I know. very
0: quietly occurred.
1: No, no. And, and foreshadowing what we're going to talk about in terms of the next question: Where is Salah? 51st over the last six wow amazing. the big
0: number is good right <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah yeah the bigger the rank the better you are anyway and um, but i'm um, taking the strong bench and the the amount of money we've got together. Um, I think that it creates a really interesting environment, is all I want to say on this, where one week punts and master plans can be enabled more than ever before. Because we've got decent benches to back things up if things go tits up, right? You've got money to buy whoever you want. So you've got as a punch, you know, you can buy the likes of Pulisic, you know, go mad. Get that guy. And it could really pay off if things can't go your way. And you've also got a strong bench. So if things do go tits up, you can at least kind of have, you know, these 4.5 million. You can even have the lights of, you know, I'm thinking benching Calvert-Lewin this week. People this week, okay, there's Liverpool-Man City coming up this game week on the weekend. I've seen people who have got Gundawan, Diaz and Stones as their bench. They've posted that on social media. Like, it's quite exciting times that you've got that sort of safety net to go off and do these sort of crazy things. And it could really pay off if it goes your way. And yeah, the you safety know, we'll...
0: net is on fire, doused in petrol.
1: Like, <laughs> no. I, mean, I, I can make a political point there, Anthony, but I, I, I prefer not to. Oh my God. Um, but, uh, but, you know, it's, it's exciting times, nonetheless. Um, speaking of exciting times, Nick, what are you uh, thinking of doing in terms of all that money that you've got?
2: So I've actually spent it all to be honest. I've pissed it all away. I, I don't have any, I don't have any money in the bank but that's because <laughs> I've got like sterling instead of gundahan and I've also got these luxury assets like Robertson. So I guess I guess that's quite a nice um, I think it's a nice problem to have if you do have lots of money but you know we've seen as you said so many of the cheaper assets do better this season you know even with like the goalkeepers and stuff we've highlighted the success of some of those 4.5 million heroes like martinez at the start of the season over you know the six million keppers that you've got out there or the so i think um ultimately for me i think you know if you do have lots of money don't overthink it just enjoy having that money don't start looking at those expensive forwards like Timo Werner and Bobby Firmino. you know there's no point yeah. there's just, these assets aren't worth it they're too, they're too expensive for what they can deliver you're much better off with the likes of Bamford and Antonio so if you've got money in the bank just just enjoy it being there and, and don't feel the pressure to spend it all like I have
1: I have a bath in the virtual money I like it I like it a lot yeah certainly bizarre uh, Anthony what about you
0: I have 8.6 in the bank right now, and I don't feel the need to spend it. But at the same time, I feel the need to make transfers. And I think I'm constantly fighting that bias to just pick up more expensive players because I can. You know, it's like, for whatever reason, um, the likes of Robertson getting a high score, I feel is going to, like, you know, mentally hurt me more than... The likes of Juan Bisaka or just some other player who's way, way cheaper having a good week. And so with that in mind I'm kind of fighting that particular bias the whole entire time but like it 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 does I think it does make me kind of uncomfortable that like this is the world we live in now where the cheap players are scoring so well and it just makes the benching headaches like such an inevitability. Um But at the same time, I think that's going to be the skill of this season and this particular part of this season is just navigating your way through that. And so like I'll just be in the angry dome kind of continually. But at the same time, I feel like that has to be just accepted. And I I don't feel like spending the money just for the sake of it is the way to do kind of as Nick's advice went.
2: So shall we move on to the next question? And and it's all about one particular man, Salah. Um, So obviously there's a little bit of a disappointment after he's he's blanked six games in seven. Um, There's a little bit of a false dawn in there against West Ham. So we had a question from Neil Gupta and he asked, is it okay to sell Salah?
1: Yeah, I mean, (laughs) 51st over the last six. That is just, uh, is that worth the money? Really, he's equal to the likes of, Adam Webster, he's been beaten over the last six by the likes of Mike, Craig, in inverted commas, Dawson, Zinchenko and Trossard in terms of points scored. That's lengthened from that's the last 10 game weeks. he's 16th. So referring back to John Forward's question, that's fueled by three returns in the last 10. If this was anybody else... I wager we'd be selling him by now. And I find myself kind of torn between assertions on the last pods with, uh, well, Anthony, when you were on that, um, about faith in the premiums. And there's new evidence. Well, I guess it's not new, but it's further evidence about Salah and Liverpool generally, which is that to the eye, they've been extremely poor. Um, so the ITS wanker and me wants to sell. Uh, but a small point uh, is that over the last four game weeks, Liverpool have actually created the most chances, the third most big chances, and they're joined third for XA, level of Man City. Um, the four before that, 15 to 18, uh, this output is halved. Um, so they're still trying, they're still creating chances. And there actually has also risen from 4.01 between 15 and 18 uh, to 7.94 over the last four game week blocks. So there's a case the case uh, to be patient with them but the ITS test was really not good um, and Salah himself has been pushing up better numbers over the last four than he has in the four before so it's a real head scratcher with Salah the stats say persevere the ITS test says get in the bin um, and it's a very odd moment in the FPL season where if I was thinking of selling somebody for Son this week which I'm not as much now as when I first actually wrote these notes I was seriously considering keeping Suchek over selling Salah, which at any other time in the past, you'd think I was mad for keeping Suchek for um, S- Salah. But that is actually where the way I'd have gone. At a small point here as well, a friend of the Paul jones Corral mentioned this, and it's definitely true. Like, over the last six game weeks, a, a midfield of uh, Gundogan, Rafinha, Suchek, Saka and Pereira has been so viable all under 6 million if you'd gone with that you'd have outscored like you know all guns blazing premium midfield. so yeah very weird times and if you are selling Salah and thinking oh you know I'm going to grab Son I'm going to grab somebody that you're fixated on then I can see why you'd be doing it Nick Salah loyalist along with me over the years what are you thinking here
2: so I've, I've got a couple of positive points, I guess, about Mo Salah. F- firstly, he's had a couple of goals um, disallowed over this period. You know, one of them is very unlucky, really. Not his fault it got disallowed. Just kind of Bobby handballed it slightly um, as as he passed it. So um, that that has to work in his favour. It's not like he's been dreadful. He's, it's not like he's been completely missing all his chances. He has put the ball in the back of the net, as we saw against Spurs and Manchester United, um, which are tougher games, Um and, you know, his record is still still brilliant. Obviously, it's been crap for him the last couple of games. Liverpool just looked completely off the pace, as you said, from the eye test. But he's still the second highest scoring player in the game, which just shows how much of a brilliant player he is in general. He's, he's had 15 goals over the course of this season. And we all know what happens when you sell Mo Salah. You get punished, as I found out, against Westbro- um, against Crystal Palace when he came on for 33 minutes and scored two goals and, and got an assist. So that makes me very nervous about selling him. And and obviously he's got the history as well you know last few seasons he's either been the top scorer in the game or the second highest scorer in the game at the end of the season probably will be right up there again at the end of this season but it it is a monetary thing we're all thinking about how the hell we're going to get Um, Son in if if we're still planning on getting Son in Um, but Son's obviously planked in five games but they have West Brom at home so it's a a real head scratcher as you pointed out Tom and you've got all these cheaper assets like Suchet, Rafinha who who we don't talk about enough on this pod looking excellent as well and uh, yeah all these cheaper assets delivering do we need a luxury player like Salah but then we were just talking about how we've all got the money. So do we need to sell him either? You know, I don't really have an answer. Um, I think there'll be a lot of people probably selling him, but it always comes with risk with this guy. I
0: just can't do it. I just can't sell him. Like the, the, in spite of everything, I think as, as Nick has pointed out, he has had goals disallowed and hasn't necessarily looked atrocious in front of goal. The underlying stats, even with Liverpool underperforming um, pretty considerably. Um, quite good like they're okay like he's he's up there in terms of shots and shots in the box probably less of them going on target than you'd want the xg you know could be higher but you know he's often a player that we see like streaking out in front in all of these stats and he isn't uh even if he has played less minutes than a lot of players uh in that time and so it just means that especially i guess when you say that like i i don't need to sell him i feel like i have everything kind of in order uh, it's not like I need the money to do something else and so with that in mind I don't think I will even with these two games coming up like the City game the Leicester game like we're one penalty away from feeling like an absolute fool and yeah. I'm I'm not sure I can deal with that and I know that you shouldn't be managing based on how you'll feel if something happens. You should be trying to manage to you know, get the better of some other if something, if it happens. But I, I can't, with Salah especially, I can't deal with the thought of getting burnt from selling him. And no. so like th- this is not elite management talk here. I fully understand that. But that's just where I am with him.
1: Newsflash, Anthony is not elite. Please spread yeah,
0: yeah 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 it's like wow you'll be so shocked to see <laughs> you'll be so surprised to hear guys like you, you've known all about my top million finishes for the last five years in a row
1: <laughs> revealed top 50% finish for Anthony oh dear no I know I, I completely I completely agree with you I think it's one of those things where it's just like a hygiene factor it's, it's very like washing your hands uh, in life effectively earning salary in your FPL team isn't it um I'm not sure whether I could, I'm could. i going to go for it. But I think if someone done something tonight, if Spurs had infused me tonight, Mourinho is the manager, as if that was ever going to happen. Uh, but if Spurs had infused me tonight, I think that I may have thought about selling him just because. I mean, you know, the rest of my midfield at the moment is pretty golden in terms of FPL perspectives. My midfield, just to talk you through it, Suchek, golden boy. Fernandes, highest owned player. Gundawan, hero. Grealish, Low Sox hero, Salah. Hasn't done anything for a while. So it could have been that, but it's quite difficult, isn't it? So any excuse to keep hold of him, I think I'm going to fall prey uh, to the same uh, level of non-elite management Anthony is, But I'm not an elite manager either, so there you go. Right, next question. Reliable teams. So after all the discussions about selling premiums, uh, the guy who played the bold guy in The Mandalorian, FPL Death Star, asks... Are there any reliable teams at the moment? Hmm, interesting one. Um, so I guess I guess one we might point to as a start for ten is West Ham. I mean, they've had their setbacks recently, uh, but West Ham <laughs> over the last six, uh, they're third for XG and third for XA and defensively as well. They've had the second least shots on the box conceded, the third fewest shots on target, and the third fewest shots on target conceded, and the second fewest big chance conceded, and also second for XGC. Watching them, as I said earlier, it's really clicked there for Mr. Moyes. Um, You know, all those crosses are finally finding their Fellaini in uh, Thomas Uchek. And there's the outside bet, of course, in the young man, uh, Jesse Lingard, being a factor in football slash FPL once again. Like, imagine we could all own Lingard at some point in this season. If he keeps this up, imagine five six weeks time, imagine he scored or assisted in five or six fixtures. Like, Could we be sat there with Lingard? Who knows? It could be interesting. Uh, uh, What do you guys think about reliable teams? Obviously, I think West Ham is probably one of them so far, given how they've gone recently. But them, others, what do you think?
2: Nick? Yeah, West Ham are obviously the main pick right now. They've been surprisingly reliable this season. I'm now doubled up with Antonio and Suchek, but you've also got the defence doing well, specifically Aaron Cresswell, who was my hero in the post-lockdown period, but haven't owned it at all this season, of course. Um, And yeah, they've just looked really, really sharp, haven't they, as you said. And the next couple of fixtures, Fulham and Sheffield United, they, they seem like a really big team to to target right now but another team actually I just thought you you mentioned Dunk earlier but Brighton have been you know really flying under the radar with some of their performances then they might not be targeted by yourselves just because we've got some double game weeks which we're going to reference um, slightly later in the pod but you know they've just Beaten Spurs and Liverpool, and and looking at their next five, they've got Burnley, Aston Villa, Crystal Palace, and West Brom, um, and then Leicester. So you can potentially see some more clean sheets um, coming up. So you know we we scoff at the idea of Lewis Dunk being a, a good pick right now, but you know Potter really has um weaved some magic and turned things around there, hasn't he? So I, I think Brighton and another team certainly, and then obviously the Manchester clubs. You know the, the boring picks or just said enough about Manchester City. We all know they're a good team, but also. Manchester United that 9-0 we said perhaps a bit of an anomaly but just over the course of the season um, course of the few, last few game weeks they've had four clean sheets in the last six likes of Wan-Bissaka and uh, Luke Shaw as we've, we've, we've scoffed previously as well about their lack of attacking threats but certainly the last few game weeks um, they've been really um, impressive in terms of some of the underlying stats so you know, the Manchester United defence might be a, another team to target
0: The thing is, I've gone and done some highly well-thought-out research and just got up the Premier League form table to uh, think about this question, maybe to frame it, because you could easily miss who's in form. And to think that Brighton are actually in sixth on the six-game form table is pretty stunning. But honestly, even more stunning than the fact that they got 11 points is the fact that to get those 11 points, they've scored six times and conceded four times. Now, the four is impressive, but the six is alarming as hell. And... (sighs) you know, they do have good underlying stats. Their attack-wise, attack, attack wise, you would expect them to do a bit better than that. Six goals. You probably wouldn't expect them to be sixth in the table based on their attack stats, but you would um, expect them to score more than six goals. So kind of a, an interesting state there. Whereas West Ham, actually, they're, they'd be second in the form table with 11 goals and seven uh, goals conceded. Now, like that, that seven's actually a bit high. It's the highest of the top six in the form table right now. Um, and not all of those came against Liverpool, as we know as well. So like there is... They're not maybe as solid defensively as we think, and you know, Cresswell has been doing well because he also provides so much attack-wise, whereas Sufal, for example, has been much more disappointing by comparison, and I'm definitely feeling with West Ham at this stage, you know, your, your first two West Ham picks, if you were to uh, draw up a, just a random list of them, I think would be Suchek or Antonio, one and two, pick one, and then you might talk about Cresswell you know, arguably the second best, but probably the third best pick from that particular team. Um Now, Man United, we were just talking about as well, they've 14 goals and four goals against in that six game period. But the fact of the matter is, is that nine of those came in one game. So if you do, well, I said I would do earlier and take out those nine goals, you're talking about a team that had five goals in five, which really isn't impressive. And five goals in five having conceded four as well. So those are Brighton numbers. And then all of a sudden, you're not as confident in them. And it's like, then I'm starting to wonder, do I really want to have any more than Bruno Fernandes in my team? And I think the answer is still no, much as I'd like to see United doing well. So to answer a Death Star's question fairly succinctly, the only really reliable team that we have is Man City. And I don't think that's surprising to anyone. But Leicester and West Ham, especially in attack for both of them, have assets you can definitely point to Arsenal's defence was something you could point to right up until they imploded and now they're going to have, be missing Leno and all sorts of things that go with it which means I wouldn't be as excited about them so overall it's a tough one to predict right now
2: yeah
1: it certainly is Anthony Our third pick from West Ham's obvious Mike Dawson what a player can't stop scoring can he yeah <laughs> the quality of delivery from uh, Ryan Crespo Ryan Crespo Aaron Creswell. um, Ryan Creswell is a footballer in the early 90s, wasn't he? Um, Yeah. Uh, well, Mike Dawson. Why not? Why not? 4.5 still. Not why, to be why, confused bye.
0: with Ryan Seacrest.
1: Yeah, uh, that's, that's very, very different. That's the kind of guy that get confused with Jeff from the Community he has been the best-looking man. In the anyway, uh, let's move on to the captaincy mixer, which is the final question this week. Uh, so Angus McPhail asked, you know, if Grealish or Watkins are good cap picks with Lewis out and Leno out more importantly. Uh, Mike Stewart asked if Son is still worthwhile. Oh, dear, that was done before tonight. Um, but the best thing we got this week was effectively a question thread um, from FPL James um, at JamesFPL1 who put it like this. Uh, He said, question for the pod, how do we analyse obvious captains better to avoid the trap? This could obviously be hindsight, but there's been four examples recently. KDB and Salah against West Brom in both cases, both players had decent form going in and all of West Brom's stats were fundamentally poo. But West Brom had been very competitive against top sides. Last week, it was the same with Bruno. Um as with that feature, everybody piled in and nothing really happened. And now this, he says, after the Brighton game. Another captain down for Salah. Yeah, we got two versus West Ham. Liverpool look like they are come back into four, but Brighton obviously better. Um, beat Spurs and only lost one old city. He says he's just not bitter or anything, you know, he's done pretty well. He's up to 120k at the moment. But he also says, as I said at the start of the pod, his last captain to return was game week 17 with Bruno. So, what the hell are we doing with captains now, guys? How are we you know, assessing uh, who we put the armband on? I think before um, tonight's events, and I don't know why, I don't know why I was hoping that there would be some sort of sign of resurgence or some sign of creative interest in play from Mourinho. And I'm sure there'd be egg on my face and then Son will hat trick and versus Brom. And um, I was kind of you know, hoping there'd be some indication that, yeah, Son's worth bringing in and captioning him. But I really don't know. And uh, I keep blanking on this and it's really killing me. Like, it's very, very difficult this season to, to do it. Um, and I wonder if Son, again he is the standout, isn't he? Um, but the last two standouts in terms of Bruno and Salah haven't worked. Um, I was all set to transfer him in, but tonight just showed, yeah, any Kane, don't they? I mean, Nick of a Spurs fan in the room, Son's likely to be perhaps one of the top, uh, captaincy picks for people, even though I guess Bruno's the highest owned player now. Um, I mean, is is Son you know really worth all of our consideration? Is he should, should he be
2: the target for our transfers in Nick? I mean, to be honest, yeah, it just it feels like a another classic case of FOMO, isn't it? If if Son was sitting there at eight percent owned, would we be really considering him right now? You know, probably not. We probably think, oh, we can get away with not owning Son; it'll be fine, uh, not a concern, and and not transfer him in. But because we know that there's like a ridiculous ownership and and they're basically playing the worst team in the league, Um, you know, defensively. I know, as you highlighted, there's been some matches where they've done pretty well against the top sides, but West Brom are still, you know... Horrendous defensively. Let's be honest. You've got this. You just you just need to bring him in. But I'm I'm considering. I'm thinking. Should I be looking at the bigger picture? The double game weeks that are coming up. Start preparing for that. And also looking at who I'm selling. And it's either Sterling or Sordan. I don't want to do that. So it is a bit of a trap. And I think yeah. In terms of the, going back to the question, the obvious pick is obviously something that we've, we've repeated on large over the course of the season. And, and I think I let myself down a little bit this week in terms of falling for the FOMO and captaining Salah when I was originally going for Sterling and um, missed out on six points there. But it's just, um, you know, we didn't really think about Brighton and I just talked about how they've been the form team. They, they've only conceded, they've conceded one against Manchester City. They beat Spurs 1-0. They, they've had a couple of a sort of 1-0 wins over the last couple of game weeks. Um, you know, they weren't really that rubbish. West Brom, though, are, are pretty shocking defensively like every game I've seen them recently and um, they've been dreadful they've played even like West Brom even playing Fulham and Sheffield United they still conceded two against yeah. those teams and they've got no attacking threat at all so um you know I, I, I know Spurs have been rubbish but I can see us putting you know I'd like to see it but I can see us putting three or four past um <laughs> well, West Brom.
1: how qualified that is <laughs> I can see us putting I mean, West Brom are crap right so sorry baggies um but they've goals per game on Sam Allardyce versus two per game under Slav. And goals, I guess, as Nick has intimated, are likely to be via Son. Um, But, I mean, is it likely to be anti-football again? Like, can you trust Mourinho uh, to set up um, in a way which is attacking, really? I mean, even a bad attack is going to have a field day every now and again. And surely West Brom are the kind of the enabler for that to happen. But if you don't own Son, like I don't, surely Bruno's a fairly decent. You know, if you're worried about cover EO, all right, yeah, you know, the eighth goal he assisted, the ninth goal he assisted, and he scored the seventh from the penalty spot. I mean, he's still the highest owned player in the game now, fifty-six point four percent after the Son Exodus, and north of thirty-five percent, forty percent of the dead teams captain him. I mean, uh, versus Everton is he a decent sort of viable alternative if I'm only buying in Son to cover especially if that's one of my valuable transfers ahead of a double game week period and the next he's got Man City a strangling Man City who I'm not too sure he's going to score against that's basically a player I'm spending a transfer to transfer in I'm not really sure about holding him and I'm basically waiting and hoping that Kane's back and Kane's one I really want I don't know I'm leaning more and more to Towards not buying Son now and probably going elsewhere. With my captain probably going to play it safe and safe now. It looks like Bruno, whereas you know, twelve hours ago it looked like safe was buying Son. Uh, Anthony, what do you reckon?
0: I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to buy Son. I, I just can't do it. I just think Spurs are just not at all playing well enough to be interested. When Kane was there, you kind of felt like in those tight games or in those moments where there might be a chance for Spurs to score. Kane would be there to do it, whereas Son is just, he's just not up there as much. And just with Spurs in general, just not playing in a good way, I, I just can't see myself doing it, especially when we know that West Brom have been good against other side, other top sides this season, even if they have been poor otherwise. Now, now that I've done this and now that I've said it, watch him get a brace, you know, with an XG of 0.02 or something between the two goals. But that's, I feel like I just have to stop putting too much effort into not being wrong. Whereas at the same time as well, with my captaincy pick, knowing that I'm not going to be going with maybe the herd pick and so on, is he going to be the herd pick anymore? I think he still will be. In trying to not go with the herd, I need to make sure that I don't fall into that category of person who's captaining someone that they'd screenshot, you know, and like share all around when they've been proven a legend in their one in 10 thing. You'd never do that, Anthony. I think I
1: did it once. Yeah, yeah, get into I, it. Yeah, there's, it there's the time. That's literally a, his whole, his whole account is that.
0: There's a lovely Aguero one in there somewhere for sure. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I don't want to go too far down that route either of just trying to captain a differential for the sake of it, because I, I do feel like it's another one of those weeks where because City are playing Liverpool, you could justify going for someone like Callum Wilson, dare I say it, uh, Ollie Watkins, dare I say it. Now, these sorts of players could actually come into things, but that's what i'm trying to avoid doing i'm trying to not put too much effort into being into avoiding being wrong which i feel would be picking sun but i also need to now try and not be like picking to be a legend if it works out uh with my alternative pick so that's that's the battle i'm in tom
1: revelation anthony does not want to be a legend that's-
0: doesn't want to be a legend isn't an elite manager guys i've really opened up my soul here yeah, I thought like there's been
1: there's been multiple exclusives from this pod. Anyway, let's move on to transfers and captains because I think that we've all spoken about who we're not gonna captain, but I think we've done a very good job explaining who we are captaining, apart from me, who maybe mentioned that I'm gonna be a coward and perhaps Captain Bruno. Um this is couched in terms of the fact that double game reach twenty-four and twenty-five have been announced, as Nick mentioned earlier. Um so a few new features have been introduced. Um Everton and Man City are uh, now a double game week 24, as well as Burnley and Fulham. And uh, Leeds and Southampton have a double game week 25. That all the mind of the chat we've had in mind. Uh, Anthony, what are you going to do in terms of transfers and captains this week?
0: Transfer, I think I'm going to roll because I... I actually have too many playing players as it is, and just making a choice is just far too difficult. So I have, right now, looking at my team, and this is not going to stay this way, I have Diaz and Calvert-Lewin on my bench. I think Calvert-Lewin is going to stay there, but I'm going to find a way to shoehorn Diaz in. Um, That may mean benching somebody like... Gunduan, uh, even though like the penalties like am I bench why do I bench Gunduan though when I'm keeping Salah on the pitch and is it just because Salah is expensive you know I need to fight all these biases that are within me in making this decision it's, it's a tough one but who am I going to captain then on the other side of it I actually am uh, t- tending towards Callum or, yeah towards Callum Wilson right now against Southampton a obviously Southampton had a poor game the other day and I don't think that Newcastle are going to score nine I'm not even sure if Southampton were down to five players that Newcastle could score nine most because the game would of course be called off by regulation but I don't think that they'd score nine goals against anyone so I still feel though that Wilson could get uh, one or two and with that in mind I'm kind of like Southampton's underlying stats defensively weren't good anyway and I think that gives me a little bit more confidence in that particular pick like otherwise you're looking at the likes of Watkins where I feel like I'm very much gambling on the fact that Arsenal are down to not their first choice goalkeeper. And um they're also obviously missing David Luis as well for whatever that's worth. Um maybe that's the slightly safer pick and the one I might go for in the end.
2: But right now, Callum Wilson, captain. Well, Possibly gonna captain Antonio actually against Fulham away. I feel like he's um really interesting differential captain for this particular game week. Uh, You know, I was thinking about bringing in Son like a lot of us, obviously, but there seems to be a real sea change of thought amongst the community there. So we're all going to get punished ultimately, but Son has planned five games in a row now, not in form. Um, And, We've lived double game weeks in coming up. I think I'm possibly just going to roll the transfer instead, and it just gives me so much more flexibility going into that next game week with two free transfers and start targeting players like Luca Dean and stuff like that um, as a Robertson replacement. So uh, yeah, I've, I think you know the team's not looking particularly good for this game week with so many Liverpool and Manchester City uh, players in it playing each other. But I think I'm going to just try and hope that some blanks we don't all get punished and uh, Captain Antonio and, and Roma transfer.
1: Yep, and I've got two free transfers. So, I mean, yeah, that was initially going to be earmarked uh, for some buy. I mean, he's blanked five weeks in a row, right? So that's Gambler's fallacy, right? He's not going to keep banking? Yeah. When I look at the fact that I need to sell Salah, which is, um, I share Anthony's uh, ballless reluctance to do that. And or, or I've got to sell Suchek. I mean, the guy's just a, a beast, isn't he, really? Um so that kind of leads me to look elsewhere and I've got to sell Robertson. and um, the guy is just a similar to Kilman in that he's just a turd which won't flush at the moment and maybe things get different in the future when Kabak comes into that backline, uh for example and things become a little different but then maybe Kabak himself five million aerial threat aerial dominator uh, could be more interesting um so Robertson's going and because of the new kind of uh, double game announcement I'm thinking Ben Me is actually quite an interesting character to bring in. Um, the next four games within three game weeks are Brighton at home, uh, Crystal Palace away, Fulham at home, and West Brom at home. Um, so you'd be expecting three clean sheets there, optimistically. Two, if you're being conservative. That's not too bad. Um, he's also got a decent BPS generation He's not hoping for a lucky goal. Um, but I think that you know, that's good enough, actually, in terms of having you know, Brighton Crystal Palace and Fulham over the next three with a double game week and thrown in. Yeah, but that's worth doing. I'm also looking at um, moving uh, Brewster to Antonio and benching Brewster. Uh, dcl uh for the man united game antonio i agree with nick i think that's really really interesting actually to do um and maybe it could be interesting a captain as well and um, i noticed that fulham for example have considered the most headed chance over the last six um by far the most big chance over the last six as well and uh, they've got one of the lower uh, xgcs out there as well uh west hammer in form could that be
0: the one
2: captain Suchek then surely yeah, yeah this, might,
0: this might be a thing, like getting Antonio in, even if it's just a waste of a transfer. Oh, dear God. Like, I don't know if I can go without him, actually, the more I think about yeah, it.
1: I think he, he looks like where the, kind of the template is going. Oh, no. No! Incredibly, you know, Son before tonight, if Son had looked vaguely attacking, if Spurs looked vaguely attacking, if they'd done a goal, I'm sure that we'd all been piling on Son and we'd all kind of be sat here in the narrative of, oh, we must buy this guy. He's going to bury me.
0: I'm Jose sure has finally turned it around. They're yeah, on the
2: way yeah. up. <laughs> sure,
1: I'm sure we might well, as Nick said earlier, be buried by not owning him. Um, but I'm very much like thinking, well, it's actually a short-term move to buy him in because in the spurt, there's Man City next. I mean, it's just, it's just not worth it. And I think they need Kane to make it work. And I bloody wish that Kane was fine because he would be the perfect person to throw into my team with Calvert Lewin, Brewster, and Bamford being my front three. I mean, Kane to for, for Brewster would be perfect. Captain him, oh, if he was fit, it'd be great. Um, but yeah, it is what it is. We can't uh we can't wish for the future to be indifferent. So that's probably it this week.
2: Yep. So we were. Who got this? Thanks so much for listening, and make sure to hit the subscribe button if you haven't already.
0: Yeah, thanks very much for listening, guys. Only twenty four hours of a shelf life on this particular pod, but we'll be back slightly later next week than usual on Tuesday, and we'll be joined by Simon March, who's a former FPL winner, and we'll be talking all things behavioural science and of course FPL.
1: Yep, really looking forward to that one. It's my missus' birthday on Monday, I'm afraid. Um, so I need to be a little bit later that pod, um, hence slightly later pod date, which will be really interesting. We had we had Simon on the uh, first season, did it? I think, Nick, something like that. Uh,
2: yeah, it was, yeah.
1: Yeah, around that time, he's he's excellent, really, really interesting. Um, but anyway, we hope just due, due to see you during these quick turnarounds thank dog it's all over have a good weekend and we'll speak to you next tuesday see you next tuesday have a good weekend except Bye. james justin owners oh tuck their shirts into their trousers don't they if you're james justin owners
2: sure. <laughs> cheers farewell cheers lads
1: oh it's a goal who got the assist
0: who got the assist